Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is Computer Talk with Tab, hosted by Eric Semmel of Tab Computer Systems. Interact with Eric and his guest by phone at 522-WTIC or 1-800-966-WTIC. Email them in the studio at gethelpattabinc.com or get help anytime at computertalkwithtab.com. Now, here's Eric. And good morning. This is Computer Talk with Tab. I'm Eric. And I'm Dennis. And it's Dennis Halnon, one of the employee owners at Tab. He comes in and helps me out with your computer problems, comments, questions, and concerns. And we do have four lines open because I told you guys Brett Hearns from MarketWatch is going to be on talking about 401ks and Bitcoin, and he's not here. Come on, man. Um, it is it is what it is when you're dealing with uh, <laughs> when you're dealing with journalists. So hopefully uh, Brett will get on the line soon, and we'll ta- we'll chat about Bitcoin in your 401k. Um, but until then, since he's not arrived, eight six zero. Uh, 522-9842 are the numbers. Hope everything's okay with Brett. Um, and we'll do our best to help you out with your computer problems, comments, questions, and concerns. And we did look a little bit more up about Played. And uh turns out, according to Investopia, uh, they Played is not a Tesla company. It's not an Elon company, number one. Um, but Tesla's using it. And they use this Played payment system to kind of have them in between all your credit cards and your bank accounts. And they, they kind of are seriously connected because you give them your passwords and stuff like that, which I would never do. And uh turns out they got sued recently. They paid $58 million to individuals who had used the interface, including Venmo, Robinhood, and Coinbase users. Lawsuit was based on Played acquiring more data than it needed and storing the user's bank account login credentials in the Played systems. Oh, wow. Why would they do that, man? That's just ridiculous. And why do you even need this system? If Is it truly a big problem where if you're going to pay a vendor and they need an intermediary to be sure that the you have the money in the bank for the system you just paid for? Now, in the case of Chris, his stuff is on his roof, right? It's on his roof. Mm-hmm. What are they going to do if he doesn't have the money? Now, obviously, they would have done a background check or some sort of you know, check to see if he's going to have the ability to pay for the system, but they make him connect with his bank account. I I don't even understand why that would be needed. Right. That can they can generate an API key, right? That you know, played can save that right. allows you to talk to X Bank right. for this customer, and it just sends the API key and a, and a hash code. Mm-hmm. And then they authenticate with each other, but they're not using your password and credentials. Right. You've just set up that connection. Right. 
Yeah, why and they need that, your credentials? Why do they need the credential? I mean, yeah, I right. think that's a violation of EFI standards right. for them to keep that information. Right, it's a violation. It's not well. Clearly, they I, got sued. Well, right, they got sued over it. But I mean, I'm just a computer guy, and I know right. they're out of compliance doing that. Right, and you could tell Chris. You know, he's like, "Hey, I'm an electrician," and but he feels uncomfortable. I would too. I mean, the problem is more and more of us are feeling too comfortable. I mean, that's why I always joke about asking you for your password. I mean. Thankfully, most folks who are listening to a news talk radio station haven't been around. You know, they weren't born yesterday, um, and they're not going to give me the password, right? But uh, you know, more and more of the younger folks out there are like, okay, I'll just put it in there. I'll click this up here. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll connect this up for you. Here's my pal. Here's my bank account. Here's everything. Guys, I don't know why you're so trusting um, these companies. Who knows what these, these these folks are? And of course, you got people within the companies if they're storing your credentials on their system. That's an awful lot of trust. I mean, eBay does something like this, really, where you have an eBay account mm-hmm. and it connects with bank accounts and credit cards. Right. But what you do is when you add the, the whatever the account is, whenever you add it to your eBay account, mm-hmm. it authenticates on that bank's website. Right. Through their back right. end, not through the front end. Right. And then, like I said, there's an exchange of API keys right. and an encryption hash that marries up with it, and that's what allows eBay to talk to your bank or your credit card, whatever it is. Right, so if you're selling something, so, they can put money in your but account. But I'm just saying eBay does not have your password. Right. Why, uh, what technology requires that? So why would Plaid need that? I mean, the model, the model that they're trying to drive is already out there for them to look at. Right. So why, why are they even doing that? Yeah, what's, what's the thing they're trying and to solve? It's, it's like the... It's like the the e-commerce vendors that save your CVV codes with your credit cards when you enter them on a website to buy right. something. Right. They are not supposed to keep that. Right. But so many programmers write their databases to collect that information because they're afraid they may not be able to get the payment later if they need to or to send back send a charge back or or a return through the credit card if they don't have it. Yeah. What they don't realize is that there are different interface capabilities to create that connection if it's needed. They just don't want to do the work to set it up. Sounds about right. It's terrible. So hey, let's bring up some news as we wait for Brett to get online with us. Hopefully hopefully he's okay. Um, anything you want to bring up that you found interesting out there, Dennis, while we wait for Brett? Yeah, one thing that uh, I saw is a story about ransomware, the cost of ransomware. Yeah. And we're talking about the total cost. What right. does it cost to a, deal? A business. What does it cost a business to deal with a ransomware attack? Mm-hmm. And it turns out that ransom payments in aggregate are only 15% of the cost. Of the total cost, yeah. Right. And the total costs involve you know, recovery, you know, getting your systems back. Sometimes there can be hardware replacements. Correct. I mean, you might completely trash a computer and you've got to just get a new one. I mean, there are so many costs involved. So... People think of ransomware as this thing where you get, you know, you get the attack Mm -hmm. and maybe you decide you're going to pay the ransomware people. Right. You pay them off and then you're okay. But no, it doesn't work that way. Even when you do that, there are costs. Right. Plenty of of them. A lot of them. Some of the big ones, uh, believe it or not, when you have cyber insurance, which you should have these days, by the way, if you're a small business, you need to have cyber insurance to protect yourself. What the cyber insurance folks are going to say is, okay. You were, impact, you were impacted. I want to go see now what happened. They want to get kind of, for, of a forensic um, 
background check as to what occurred. Well, if they're doing a forensic background check on your systems, guess what you can't use? Your systems. Right. <laughs> so now the cyber insurance company is not going to pay your claim until they prove that you did all the things you said you were going to do when you filled out the insurance form. Like you, you, They're going to say, hey, did you set up two-factor authentication on your account? Yes or no? Well, you, you, you checked the box on the form, but then you never did it. Right. And they're going to be like, hey, wait a minute. If you had not, I'm not going to pay a claim here for when you didn't do what you said you were going to do. Do you have MDR, EDR running on your systems? You said you did. Oh, but you didn't do it. So they're forensically going to look to figure out, you know, how not to pay the claim. Right. You see all the all the, the injury attorneys on TV telling you how they deal with the insurance companies as far as those types of things. It's the same thing with cyber insurance. Right. They want to prove how they cannot pay your claim. <laughs> right. Yes. So the cost like, that Dennis is talking about, 15 percent. A ransom is nothing compared to the the back end stuff. Of of you pay the ransom, now your systems are still compromised. There's no way you could go ahead and continue to use those systems without wiping and reloading them to be sure there is no remnant. Uh, the bad guys are not good guys. They're not going to be like, okay, I'll, I'll decrypt your stuff and we'll leave you alone. No, they'll leave. They'll put stuff on there still. You won't even notice. So you got to wipe and reload your systems, but you can't do it until the cyber insurance company says, oh, you're good to go. So what do you got to do? Buy all new systems. Right, you're going to buy a bunch of new hardware. Buy you maybe need a new server. Um, you might have a loaner server in place dealing with the issue. And all that time and energy for your IT people internally or a third party like us has to come in and load those machines up, reinstall all your backups, get all your software implemented, re-network you, get you all back up and running, even though you paid the ransom. Mm-hmm. So 15% is the drop. In the, that's a, that, that makes sense to me completely. Oh, and what else is going on while all of that work is being done? Your business is stopped. Yeah, you're so you have you have loss of business. Right now, insurance hopefully will cover some of that cost. That even the uh, business interruption and all that is depending on what you paid for. Um, but the cost is is great. So the moral of the story, as we talk about shields up and what you know our government is telling everybody, look, do you, based on what's going on in the world, you need to be putting more security technologies in place to protect you. Now I was kind of I t- I kind of joke about all of our all of the protections that are in place are because of Microsoft, but it's not really true, right? It isn't it isn't. I, I have to say it, it is, but it isn't. Any any OS or or system can be impacted by a hacker just simply tricking you into giving your your password no matter what the operating system is. So you need two-factor authentication running. You need DNS filtering running. You need email security running. You need EDR, MDR technologies running. You need a good backup that both gives you a local recovery point and an offsite recovery point. And you need to know how long it's going to take to get yourself back up and running. So what's a disaster, right? You got to define what your disaster is um, so that you can then say, okay, I've prepared for my, my company to be down for X number of days, right? If I got 50 systems, right, and I'm hit with a, a ransomware attack, all 50 systems are completely encrypted and my server's encrypted, my, my cyber insurance company is saying, don't touch it, <laughs> you can't touch it, what would you do, right? You should check with your agent to see if they do do this because I promise you they do. Um, you're going to then have to buy new hardware. How fast can you get it? Well, chip shortage, guess what? Not so fast. You need to make sure whoever you're working with has equipment to get you back up and running. You need to then... How fast can you get your server up and running? How many virtual servers are on that piece of hardware? How long will that take? How long will the restoration take? So what you also should consider is doing some sort of disaster recovery run through. You know, think about what a disaster would be. How how many machines do you need online? Another good example of failover and disaster recovery where people don't really pay attention is cellular internet failover. Oh, yeah. So you got your nice fat 
fiber or cable internet service get all running and everything's great. Somebody hits a pole and brings it down and you fail over to your cellular service. Well, the 100 people that were on the nice fat fiber and cable services are not going to work so well on your cellular, right? You failed over, but now they're running on a country road versus that nice 15-lane highway, right? So you need to understand what that looks like. And so maybe if you're in operations for your companies, pull pull the plug on your cable line and, and, and see how the failover works. <laughs> yeah. It's the only way to know. Yeah. I mean, let people know you're going to do it. You know, you don't want the president tearing you, you know, tearing into your office. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of folks don't think about this stuff. And, and this this example is, is very interesting. And I suspect it goes into all the other costs, right, Dennis, as far as what that 15% yeah. starts yeah, with. It, it, it takes into account a lot of stuff. It's tip of the iceberg stuff. All right. So we're going to step out for a quick break. I'm not sure what happened to Brett. I was really interested in talking about, uh, you know, what his uh, article was about as far as fidelity allowing Bitcoin in there in your 401k. So feel free to get online, 860-522-9842 or WTIC are the numbers. We're here till 11. We'll be right back. And we are back. This is Computer Talk with Tab. I'm Eric. And I'm Dennis. And uh, we are here till 11 o'clock. Feel free to get online, 860-522-9842 are the numbers. And we'll do our best to help you out. The nines are starting to ring up, and we're going to try to get a hold of uh, Brett before the uh, top of the hour. I'd love to have him on and chat about what we want to talk about, so we'll see what's going on there. So as we wait for your calls, did you want to bring something up there, Dennis? Oh, yeah. Coca-Cola is investigating a hacking claim. A big one. Yes, huge. 161 gigabytes of data that was supposedly stolen. Uh, The problem is that the group that claimed to have hacked Coca-Cola... Yeah, isn't exactly trustworthy. The hackers they aren't trustworthy. Made this announcement on social media, mm-hmm. you know, describe the size of the attack. Right. But in the past, uh, they have been suspected to have overstated what they've been doing. Yeah. So Coca Cola is going to look into it. They're going to say what happened. Right. Um, I give them credit for being public about it. Yeah. Because, I mean, they, they could be doing like what a lot of companies do, which is to say, nope, we weren't hacked. These people, you know, their wires mm-hmm. didn't happen. And then three months from now, you find out, oh, yeah, it did happen. And but well, uh, Coca-Cola is at least saying, yeah, could have. We're going to see. And they were talking about even, is it even the formulas that they might have taken? Or are they are they alluding to that? They kind of alluded to that. They, they alluded to that, yes. Right. And uh, you wouldn't want that special formula to get out. You wouldn't, or maybe like maybe they've got the uh, what was that one? The new Coke formula that everyone hated and went back to. Uh, remember that new Coke? Did they even keep that? I think they ran it for a short period. Yeah, they made it. Well, maybe they did. That's what they well, it was got. like 1985 or something. Yeah, it was a very good year. Uh, um, so yeah, we'll see what happens with these hackers claiming they've got access to Coca Cola. But hey, if, they if you, might have. If you can trick somebody into paying you without even doing anything, you win. Right. Right. All right. Let's get to your calls. We're going to go to Jim in Willington first. What's happening, Jim? How are you? Good, sir. How are you? Great. Listen, I've been listening to your show off, uh, for as almost as long as you've been on. Wow. And uh, you, you keep me just smart enough to know I'm not so ignorant about computers or whatever. But i got a question. <laughs> sure. Um, I've got an HP uh, laptop. I've had it for 12 years. The thing runs lightning quick still. Um, and I've listened to your advice over the over the years about the open DNS and uh, VPN and all this other good stuff. Yeah, uh, but going forward, uh, when it comes time to replace it, 
and or the same information about VPNs and, uh, you know, uh, uh, protection uh, yep. for viruses and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you suggest? Uh, I, I don't use it at all anymore for pretty much anything except uh, getting out on the Internet, emails, paying bills. That's pretty much it. All right. But it, is, how old was it? 15 years old? It's 12 years old all day long, and I'm, I'm going to tell you, there's not one thing wrong with it other than the keyboard, uh, other than some of the tabs on the keyboard. Right. You can't even more. see them anymore, yeah. What's the operating system? Is it Windows 10? You know, I update, when they, they offered a free up. I think Windows offered a free upgrade back a while ago. So, yeah, Windows 10 is on it. Okay. And, uh, well, I've got, that's pretty I, good. I've got, what I, I've got what I consider to be a decent, uh, I've got Norton on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Um, Okay. So you've gotten a lot of years on it, right? And it works great, and it does everything you want it to do. And you have a current operating system that is being updated. That was my biggest question, because you're you're doing banking, you're doing other things on there. If you have an old Windows 7 or older operating system, it's not as secure as it should be. So you've got Windows 10, which is what it is. So I'm going to say you can keep running as as is. If you're happy, who who am I to say you're not, right? No, I'm going to. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep running it until it tells me I can't run it anymore. But right. going forward, would you what would you suggest? The same the same type of an HP. And, well, uh, it served you well, clearly. Um, but again, 15 year old machine built back then is different than these days. You got to be careful with the generations of processor. And 15 years ago, you had a type of processor. I mean, a Core 2 or an i5. Um, but now they're, they have different generations of process, processor. So I'm going to tell you to look for anything 11th gen or newer as okay. your processor. Um, however, okay. we did see the newer, even the newest processors by Intel. I think they're starting to warp. Like the 12th gen is having some heat problems. So stick with the 11th gen. I, I you know, I read all this this stuff. <laughs> it sticks in my head. 11th gen or newer, i5 or i7. You can splurge there, Jim. You had 15 years out of this one. Get maybe get an i7, um, and uh, you know, pat yourself on the back. 16 gigs of RAM. Would be our minimum recommendation these days, and a solid state hard drive, 500 gigs or better, uh, for your solid state hard drive. Those are your base configurations. If you need more video power because you're going to do video editing, then you need to look at the the software you're using to see what yeah, it requires. Need, yeah, I wouldn't need any of that. I, I would need none of that. I'm I'm long past having to worry about using my computer for work or for that type of activity. So. All right. Yeah. So that's our uh, spec. Okay, then the only other thing I had was um, just keeping it simple. I know on your website you've got, uh, if I wanted to not have something like Norton, mm-hmm. uh, but something else uh, that would protect me. I know you've mentioned things quite a few times, and if, if I, I don't remember what it was. Well, we used to uh, recommend WebRoot, but we've gone away from that and actually have given Windows Defender credit. Much to our chagrin, though, it is actually targeted itself as having its own issues. <laughs> so we're not <laughs> Windows <laughs> The moment we decide to get on the Windows Microsoft bandwagon, Windows goes ahead and does what it does and, and sees itself as malicious. But we'd still okay. recommend it. Windows Defender is, is quote unquote free, part of the operating system. Um, it's pretty it's pretty good. So if you do that and you run Open DNS for your DNS filter, um, those two things minimally we tell you to do, and you'll have good luck. Um, that's what I run in my home, and have had very good luck with that, even with kids, boys, by the way, in college. Mm. The interface between uh, the the, um, the uh, router and the uh, computer. Yeah, that'd be I mean, a, when you say interface, that'd be wireless or wired. Well, right now it's wired, but it looks like I'm going to go wire. I'm going to go wireless going forward. Okay, how old's your router? Is it as old as your computer? 
no, no, no. That's brand, brand. Just bought it brand new. Okay. So whatever you're buying should be fine with that. You're getting a laptop or a PC. No, it'll be a it'll be a laptop. Okay. So you, you you'll be able to run wirelessly and you'll be fine. Nothing else to do other than just connect it. Okay. Great. That's all I need to know. All right, Jim. Good luck, sir. Thank you very much. Bye. All right. You too. All right. We're gonna. Be here until 11 o'clock. Taking your computer comments, questions, and concerns, 860-522-9842 are the numbers. If you'd like to get online and chat about any of the issues we talked about today or something new, we'll be right back. And we are back. This is Computer Talk with Tab. I'm Eric. And I'm Dennis. And we're going to be here till 11 o'clock. And uh, if you've ever had trouble getting on the show, which has normally all jammed up, I know it's a gorgeous Saturday in springtime here, so you're all out there doing dump runs. That's what I'm going to be doing. Uh, Dennis, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but uh, if you ever had trouble getting on the show, it's a good time. 860-522-9842 are the numbers. Is the number. No, not are the numbers anymore. Is the number. Uh, it's the only number. 860-522-9842 if you want to get online and... Talk about any kind of computer comment, question, or concern you might have. And in speaking of comments, questions, and concerns, it looks like the folks in India, the IT ministry, is ordering VPN providers, crypto players, that's great how they call them players, (laughs) to store user data for five years. The Ministry of Electronics and Information Technologies Computer Emergency Response Team has directed VPN network providers, data centers, and crypto exchanges to preserve a wide range of data on their customers for five years in what is said is an effort to coordinate response activities as well as emergency measures with respect to cybersecurity incidents. Now, that's going to cause a big problem. (laughs) Oh, big time. So... If you now are providing one of these services, you now need to crank up your data storage, right? And you may not even have technology in place to capture all this stuff, um, to store it. And then you have to have a some sort of ability to, to give it to these guys when they ask for it. Right. So think about VPN, right? They're going to want your, they want to, they want to know who the customer is and why they're using the service. And now you're going to ask yourself, well, it's a VPN. Well, yeah, you're popping out on somebody else's network. So when you use a VPN, you're tunneling to some other server that's quote unquote not being tracked, right? So you have some level of security. But of course, when you pop out the other other side, you're either using the DNS on that server or your local DNS. If you're using your local DNS, you're pretty much have not done a whole lot to protect your security. But you pop out on that server, and now the folks in India are saying, well, if you're if you're going to host people's VPN connections out here, I want you to keep what they're doing. For five years. And it seems like it's more of a guise of of helping, right? I mean, the crypto players, right? Let's say somehow the crypto players get hacked, <laughs> which is happening all the time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Maybe they're hoping that these, these folks are going to have backups so that they could make them whole, let's say. And, of course, a lot of bad things occur on, on technology. I mean, I, we've talked about this since the beginning of time. Computer crime, I think, is one of the dumbest crimes you can commit because there is a bit path getting you from point A to point B, right? Well, almost always some kind of an audit trail, right? Right. right. And what and the folks in India are trying to do is strengthen that audit trail. But if you thought you were going to have more privacy, you're not, right? You're not private. You're just not. When you're on the internet or when you're on any kind of digital medium, you're not private. You're le- you are so less private than you think you are. Even with the story we talked about with Facebook capturing FAFSA data, I didn't even know that happened. 
until this story this morning. Right. <laughs> right. And the but, only way that they knew is that they actually got onto the site and ran a tracker to see where the browser was going to. Right. And while they were using it. So you've got all these different browsers, all these different methods of tracking, all these different companies involved scraping your data for whatever they're using it for. And now the folks in India are saying, well, if you're using a VPN, we want we want you to store that person's information for five years. That's that's a big pain in the butt. Now, I'm reading that article, that, and it says that the purpose of this is for emergency response within six hours. Right. It's- How does keeping five years' worth of data help you respond to an emergency within six hours right that's how they're couching it is we're 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 from the government we're here to help (laughs) i don't know um i don't know why i mean obviously if the entity if your crypto exchange which should be illegal uh somehow has all your all your fake money exit you know they're saying well you need to have some sort of backup here for five years now we would agree with that right so here's the other issue right you're investing in crypto it's not like putting your money in a bank that's FDIC insured, right? They have all sorts of approaches they have to take to keep our money, quote unquote, safe and make you whole should something right. happen. And most of them are part of the Federal Reserve System, which right. means they're they're financially protected as oh any you can it. yeah. But don't think that crypto exchanges are. I mean, you got crypto exchanges that are you know running by who knows who, right? They're not regulated. There's nothing going on there, so uh, it's definitely something to be aware of. So, Carolyn, I think the line one is ringing. So it's funny, here in 1080, we don't actually have ringers on the phone. <laughs> so, she's a, Carolyn, phone's ringing. <laughs> so, uh, we got to poke, poke our producers if they're doing something else. Um, but, yeah, so, India, we'll see what's happening with them and what's going on with keeping five years of data. We'll put the information out there for you so you at least can see what we're talking about, but... Every day is a, it's just a wild, wild west. There's so many assumptions people make as to how this stuff works, us included, right? We, yeah, you know, uh, we pretty much keep our money in our mattresses. I mean, to be honest with you, right, Dennis? That's where your money is. It's in Uh, your mattress. Kind of. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. All right, let's get to your calls. Uh, We're going to go to Peter in Manchester. What's happening, Peter? Hi. Hi. Good afternoon. Uh, good, after- good morning. Yeah. Uh, first, I want to say the show has been great over the years. You've given me so much help and insight over the years, and I appreciate your being there. Thank you. Uh, one of my tasks has been helping my my mother in law. She's eighty seven with her computer, and she was over this past uh, Easter for dinner, and she brought her computer along, which she usually does. So I, I'm going. To, I'm looking at it, and you know, it starts up so slow and runs terribly, and I've spent hours trying to figure this out over the years. So, well, I shut it down. She had a question about a pop-up. It was just uh, Melware Bytes wanted her to, to pay. I told her, you don't have to worry about that, yada, yada. So we, I shut it down. And she says, oh, I wanted to show Ann something on the, on the computer, a picture. I said, oh, okay, I'll start it up. She says, oh, it takes so long. I usually just close the lid. I said, well, how often do you reboot it? She says, oh, when I have to. I said, well, you really shouldn't do that. A lot of memory bleed and junk left behind. Right. And you need to turn it off so that it cleans that all up and shuts everything down right. She goes, oh, okay, well, I'll shut it down now. She reaches for the power button. 
and she's pushing the valve on. I said, what are you doing? She was shouting, you're turning it off. I said, no, 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 no. <laughs> so I had to show her how to use the start button. All these years, she's been doing a hard shutdown. You know, I told her, he's been crashing the computer. Nothing's been closed. I said, the computer's got to find everything and fix everything before it can start up again. That's why it's so slow. Mm-hmm. It was just a comical. You know, all these years, I've been scratching my head. And she's just been doing a hard shutdown every time she's turning the computer off. <laughs> you know, Peter, we have a similar story. So we have a customer. I can't give the names. So I'm going to keep them anonymous yeah. as I can. But they would have an issue with their server. And the server happened to run three or four virtual servers on top. And the person would... They would get in early in the morning, and if something was frozen due to an update or what have you, they everyone's saying, "Hey, I can't get in the system." So you know what they would do? They would take the power button, the power cord, and pull the power cord out of the machine, literally crashing the host, the hypervisor, and four virtual servers, just to smithereens, because one of them was hung because of a, a service pack update. And it took us a while to figure out they were doing this because you would never guess in a million years that no, someone would think, think so. that it's okay to do that, but. So your 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 mother in law is not alone. No, I didn't think she was, but uh, I'm hoping from now on she remembers she is just the, the power off button. She powers off regularly, and the computer starts running better. <laughs> yeah, well, that's good. It's good. It's good to talk about it because people really need to know how to take care of their machines. Yeah, the other thing I, I've encouraged her is to use secure passwords. And just like, uh, just use a phrase like, uh, I live in Manchester community, and just take the first letter of each word and then throw a control character and a couple numbers in somewhere. And you can remember the phrase and, and the letters and, and control characters from very easily from that. Yeah. But it, nobody could ever guess that because it's not a word. Nope, they'd only get it if they if she gave it to them by asking right. for it. Right, she has to give them the phrase, and then they got to remember the phrase and where everything goes. That's not easy. No, no, that's a great... It's going to be something familiar to you. Great advice. Past phrases are much better than past words these days. Yes, um, and I don't call it a phrase. I call it a, an enigma because it's, it's <laughs> I was so scrambled up because it's just the first letter out of a out of random words. Mm-hmm. So it's really much more... It's not a phrase even because it doesn't. it's not even an acronym. It's nothing. That sounds good. No, it's good advice, Peter. Well, you guys have a great, great day, and uh, thank you so much for over the years for all your help. I, I listen religiously. It's our pleasure to be here for you. Thank you, brother. All right, take it easy. You too. All right, we're going to step out for a quick break and put back to your calls. We have four lines wide open in the home stretch of Computer Talk with Tab. Dennis and I are here, your pasty white computer geeks, looking for something to do. We'll be right back. And we are back. This is Computer Talk with Tab. We're going to be here until 11, and then Dr. Alessi will be in with Healthy Rounds. He'll give you a second opinion on your health advice, and we'll get hooked up with Brett at some point. The only thing I can think of is he thought it was a East Coast, West Coast time zone thing, which is possible. You should see some of the uh, calendar invites for some folks that are in different time zones and how <laughs> how you know Outlook screws it all up as far as where you know what actual time is happening. So we'll probably get him on next Next Saturday, because I do want to talk about him. He had an article in Market Watch. If you haven't haven't read it, um, it talks about you know Fidelity and how they're offering Bitcoin in your four hundred one k. Is it up to twenty percent? I think I read some crazy number. Yeah, something like that. So, you know, fools and their money are soon parted, as my dad always said. And here we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you can invest in an NTF of a picture of a bridge, you can actually sell people a bridge. <laughs> and here, that's right. That's where we are. So feel free to get online if you like before the top of the hour, 
And as we wait for your calls, Dennis, you have anything else you want to bring up in our news? Yeah. All right. Um, we got some news about a uh, a very powerful distributed denial of service attack that mm. took place if you, maybe a couple weeks ago. Right. You, you remember the one that happened to Bradley that was in the news, right. the yeah. denial of service on their website. The people couldn't get to their website. Now, this one mm-hmm. involved a bombarding a crypto platform. Oh, boy. So it seems like one particular crypto platform was targeted. Yep. They were bombarded with 15.3 million requests per second. Wow. Millions. So you know what happens there, guys, is that uh, so they've, they have constrip- conscripted a botnet, most likely, to produce these requests. Yeah, it looks like it was the bunch of microteak routers. Microteak routers. Yes. Hmm. And is it? Well, you remember they they've been they've been involved in a couple of different exploits that allow uh, people to take over administrative control, and they can actually execute code so there on is. the router. So there it is. Um, if the router isn't patched, right. So then, and apparently, there's 15.3 million microteak routers out there that well, aren't bad. There's a good chunk of them that have been good asked number, right? I don't a, know how many, but right. So what they do is then they get this botnet. In this case, the routers, and they configure it to tell it to go attack a target. In this case, it was this this crypto company, and then yeah, they, it wasn't named, so I don't know who it was. And what happens there is the bad guys then say, okay, you reach out to the crypto your target and say, look, you're down. We're going to keep you down until you pay a ransom for us to not hit you, right? It's generally why they're doing it. There's not a whole other, a lot of other reason, um, other than if they're messing with some manipulation on the market itself, as far as the value of fake money, which also could be the case. Who knows what they're thinking? Right. They, it could might not have been extortion. It might have just been trying to disrupt the market. Right. Yeah. So everybody freaks out. They're attacked. Everybody sells their fake money to, and for real money, and it drops like a rock. Who knows? But these guys had Cloudflare. In between, right? So yeah, they were protected by Cloudflare. Apparently, Cloudflare p- picked it up mm-hmm. right away, and within 15 seconds, they had mitigated it. And that's the cool thing. That's really cool. If you've got so many people attacking you from disparate areas, how can you tell the difference between the real and the not real? Like the Matrix question, right? How can you tell the difference between a real inquiry on your site and a microteak? Now, maybe microteak has a packet you can tell that you can tell the packet has a certain look to it that could be the case uh, well they're all going to have microtik mac addresses so you could actually so that would be a that would be a little piece of code in the packets that would identify it right so then you say at least th- if not other information in the packet so you say throw away any any packet coming at me from these devices that have this little bit of code in there and ignore them and then the site comes back up because now it's not being bothered by these these botnets but the, the sad thing is any of us could become victims and become a botnet for the bad guys because if you click on any kind of phishing scheme that not only tries to ransom your data, but they could they could then load software on your machine to use it in one of these types of things. So, yeah, they take over your computer and then they can sideload your router if they can get at an exploit right. for it. And imagine, I mean, router is one thing because the microteaks are all the same. But imagine all sorts of disparate, different Windows operating systems from all over the planet that have been that could fall victim to these botnets, and you're not even aware of it, you know. So, all right, well, that's an amazing, an amazing story that they were able to, able to mitigate something that large that fast.
Well, I'm sure there were still residual effects from it. It probably took several minutes for everything to die down right. because the packets would have still been coming in. It's just that Cloudflare would have been redirecting them. But that would bottle up traffic, legitimate traffic, that's still trying to get into your site. Right, so it, it, the people who were legitimately using the site would have felt that it was very laggy for a while or not or not even or responding. maybe even not responding at all right denial of service is what that is all about um okay anything else you want to bring up as we wait for calls <laughs> or last the last article we're going to get to kids and cats pretty soon <laughs> well this one is an article about a particular strain of ransomware called onyx o-n-y-x yep um it's very interesting because it looks at the files that it's encrypting, yeah, and it if any of them are over two megabytes in size, tiny, which is very small, yeah, it will not encrypt them. It will just rewrite the data with random ones and zeros, effectively shredding it. Right, it's just destroying the files. Mm -hmm. And like I said, that threshold is a mere two megabytes, which if you know anything. That means virtually every file on your computer is going to be that. Almost right. every one. And it's just wiping out files. Now, you're still going to get the ransomware demand or the ransom demand on your screen. Mm -hmm. until, and, until your machine finally goes to smithereens. You, just looking at how the machine is working, you're going to think, oh, yeah, well, the files are encrypted. Maybe if I pay these guys, they'll decrypt the data. Mm -hmm. Well, you pay them. Mm -hmm. And what happens? Nothing. Nothing, because they can't recreate the data. They didn't encrypt it. They destroyed it. And you will have paid ransom for nothing. I can't even imagine how the machine even works. They must have some sort of delayed shredding that they do to even allow the machine to be up long enough to say, pay me. Well, in a lot of cases, the ransomware doesn't uh, rewrite like the operating system. Gotcha. It leaves those files alone. It hits your data. So that you just have Windows running and then nothing else. All of the other programs are dead and your data is dead, but just Windows will boot and it will at least give a screen that they can write the uh, ransom demand on. I'm going to predict that the, the ransomware guys are going to be mad at these guys and actually go after them because if, if, it, if it is found that they're going to damage your, your files, I mean... Honor amongst thieves is how this ransomware thing works, right? They they want you to know that you can get your data back. Now, the tools they give you to decrypt ransom files are really bad and very slow. Um, but in, in many cases, the bad guys will give you the key, and they've got a system that organizes which key goes to which company they've ransomed. But to actually damage the files is going to give people pause, right? Why should they be you know, paying if they're not going to get their, their data back? Um, a lot of these ransomware guys are actually um, exfiltration of your data. They're taking your good data out first and putting it aside, then ransoming, then encrypting all your data and saying, okay, fine, you might have a backup, but guess what? If, uh, if you don't pay us that ransom, we're going to go ahead and put all your data out on the dark web for everybody to see. Um, so they get you coming and going in those types of attacks. These dinglings, why would they shred your stuff? That doesn't even make any sense. Well, they didn't want to have to do the work of coming up with that the decryption. Half broken decryption code. Of course you can't tell who's who's Onyx versus who's not Onyx. That's the problem. You can't tell whether you've been hit with an Onyx attack versus a you name it attack. 
So, well, it's a doggy dog world out there, and we're all wearing milk bone underwear, as uh, Norm would say. And uh, <laughs> so it's been one of those it's been one of those days for us too. So everything has been posted today over at computertalkwithtab.com. It's the name of the show.com, which also works. Uh, Dennis has been posting everything feverishly, if you can say that these days again. Um, Mike G has been posting everything over to Twitter and Facebook, and now that Twitter is actually usable again, thank you, Elon. Thank you. Um, more people are going to be over there, so we'll be we'll be I'll be participating more on Twitter. I'll tell you, um, I still don't get it, but I'll get over there and play play with it. You know, see how that works. But it is over there for you if you want to follow us on Twitter at Tab Computer Sys. Everything we talked about will get into your newsfeed, and of course, over on Facebook, this this whole thing is recorded. So if you missed anything, of course, you can go ahead and view us there, and of course, on the Odyssey app, we are podcasted, and Joey will get those up to the cloud in a day or so. So I want to thank you guys for joining us. Uh, all of you who showed up on the Saturday morning. I have no idea what happened to Brett. I'm guessing it was a some sort of time zone thing. I want to thank Carolyn for producing. I guess we'll see you next week. We want you to be geeks too. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.